Um, next Sunday is our Thanksgiving Sunday, Thanksgiving dinner. And in the back, uh, we're going to pass around a list of, of for individuals that would like to bring something, bring food, um, desserts, or whatever. Bobby, you have anything special? We, we have provided the main dish, and we're just asking you to bring other things. So just write it down, and how many you're going to bring with you so that we have an idea of how many plates to set and, and things. And bring people, you know? Bring, pe- bring other people. Yeah, invite somebody. Uh, but a hundred percent of the people you bring will come. Okay, okay moving right along. <laughs> you know, if you feed them, they will come. No, if you bring them, they'll be here. See, you know, something like that. Today we are looking at Luke chapter 8, and we discussed some of this last week uh, with the woman with the issue of blood or the the problem with her hemorrhaging. Well, in in this setting of that scripture last week, we have this other story, this other situation that was going on. And in Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40, we're going to read verses 40 through 42. And there's there's two titles that I I placed on this, this message. It's either laughing at Jesus because there's a situation in here where people were laughing at him, or the other title is Walk With Me, Jesus. So you can pick whichever one you like. On verse 40, on his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd. He has left um, the, the land of the Gadareans, which is just across the Sea of Galilee, and he has returned to this area, and there was a great crowd there waiting for him to return. And on his return, Jesus was welcomed by a crowd, they were all there expecting him. A man came up, Jer- Jer- oh. I always called him Jarius, but one of the things, if you go on BibleGateway.com, BibleGateway.com has an audio Bible, and you can click on that and pick out chapters or in the entire Bible and listen to it. And, and if you're reading the Bible and you like to hear, that, that, so they can read along with you, you can read along with the, the person who is the audio Bible, so... I turned it on to try and make sure that I say the right name, the names correctly. And I always called him Jarius, and the guy on the audio Bible calls it Jairus. So his name is Jairus. And um, a man came up to him, Jairus by name. He was president of the meeting place. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, was dying. Jesus went with him, making his way through the pushing, jostling crowd. Verse 49. While he was still talking, someone from the leader's house came up and told him, Your daughter died. No need to bother the teacher. Jesus overheard and said, Don't be upset. Just trust me, and everything will be all right. Going into his house, he wouldn't let anyone in, except Peter, John, and James, and the child's parents. Everyone was crying and carrying on over her. Jesus said, don't cry. She didn't die. She's sleeping. They laughed at him. They knew she was dead. Then Jesus, gripping her hand, called, by, called my dear child, get up. She was up in an instant, up and breathing again. He told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were ecstatic 
But Jesus warned them to keep quiet. Don't tell a soul what happened in this room. So as we think about this particular setting, I, I think of it in the context that here is, here is Jesus. He's just arrived back from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And again, the other side of the Sea of Galilee is not that far away. Um, it's, you know, maybe a, maybe a mile across, maybe a little longer, somewhere in that. The, the thing about the Sea of Galilee, it isn't that it's so very long and so, so great in size. It's extremely deep and that it is, it, it is encompassed by hills all around except by one end, one end of the, of the sea, there is a valley. And the wind from the Mediterranean Sea will come across the land and will funnel through this, this valley and come right on the Sea of Galilee, and it will turn into a tidal wave. You know, you know, the sea will become very rough, and storms come up very unexpectedly because they, you know, a few years ago, well, in the 60, it was a 60, not the 77 flood, they, you know, they said that we had a storm that got in the mountains and just never got out. Well, what happened, that similar situations happen at the Sea of Galilee that storms come in from the Mediterranean and they just come funneling through this valley and they hit the, the Sea of Galilee and it creates violent storms. And so whenever we read the, in the scriptures about Jesus being on the Sea of Galilee and great storms coming up, that's what happens. The, the sea was very prone to those storms coming in from the Mediterranean Sea and they would come up very unexpectedly. They would, you know, you would be looking up and there would be, you know, just like around here sometimes you look at the sky and it's bright and the next thing you know we've got this storm coming. And that's kind of what happened at the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus has returned from the um, community, the area called the, the Gadareans, and they were not of the Jewish descent, but they occupied one section or one area uh, of uh, the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. Well, Jesus had returned from there, and this crowd is there welcoming him, a jostling crowd. So they were very <laughs> uh, anxious to see Jesus because they were interested in what he was going to do for them. They were interested that, you know, here's Jesus. He's going to teach us. He's going to do some miracle. He's going to do something important. And so they all wanted to know it. And along comes Jairus, uh, who is a leader of the synagogue. So he's a man of importance. He's a man of importance who is well-known in the community and he just falls at the feet of Jesus. He comes and he brings his need, he brings this dire need to Jesus. He falls at his feet and he says, Jesus, come. My child, my only child, my 12-year-old daughter is dying. Something has to be done. Can you do something for her? And so we see in this setting, you know, he begged, he was begging Jesus, you know, please come. Please come and touch my daughter. And, you know, to, to come to our house and, you know, do something about my daughter. There's different degrees, I think, or different um, understandings of our faith. We have the centurion who comes to Jesus and said, you just speak the word. You don't need to come to my house. You don't need to come talk to my servant. You don't need to come. You just say the word and it's all taken care of. We have situations where... People are beggars along the side of the road, and they're crying out to Jesus, you know. And Jesus stops and he says, well, what do you want me to do? You know, 
well, I'm blind, you know, I need to see. I'm crippled, and, and I need to walk. Well, it's interesting how that there's so many different types of people and different, as it were, levels of faith, different expectations of Jesus, and how that he never puts anyone down for what they have. Like if you looked at ourselves, if we went across the room and we say, all right, how would you pray? How would you pray? How would you approach Jesus? If Jesus were walking down the aisle here, would you fall at his feet? Would you, you, would you uh, from, your, from your pew, say, hey, hey, Jesus? <laughs> or would you be like Mary and Martha? You know, and again, it's not critical, criticizing Mary and Martha. Jesus, if you'd have been here just a few days ago, our brother wouldn't have died. So every situation, we see people coming to Jesus in different scenarios. Who does he turn away? Who does he stop and say, you know what? Uh, that's not good enough. You know, you don't have enough faith. None of them. The only people Jesus really had a problem with were the people who were so religious, they kept telling Jesus he didn't match up with what they were expecting. You know, we have rules and we have regulations as to how a Messiah is supposed to act and you don't match up with our rules, therefore you don't, you're not really the Messiah. And those are the individuals that, you know, Jesus had a difficult time with, was constantly confronting and telling, you know what, you're nothing but a whited sepulcher. <laughs> you know, to us that doesn't mean much, but in those days, a whited sepulcher was a tomb, and you weren't allowed to touch them. You weren't allowed to go near them or you were unclean because the bodies are decaying. <laughs> so they would paint them white so that you wouldn't go near them. So you didn't want to be contaminated. And it's interesting how that the scriptures established rules, laws, that were really protecting the people. We're really protecting them from disease and contamination and, and, and things like that. And so there were laws, don't go near the tombs because it's a, it's, it's a sin. But the idea is if you go near the tombs and you start living there, chances are you're going to get sick. And so Jesus, you know, why did sepulcher is there's a tomb, we don't go near it. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, you're just a bunch of whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. <laughs> That was a very derogatory comment to them. <laughs> but he was trying to get their attention. But think about all the other individuals who spoke in faith. Jairus is one who comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, and says, my daughter's dying. I need your help. And as soon as he starts, then that was our sermon, our message last week, was the woman who fell on her knees, came through the jostling crowd, and reached out and touched the hem of his garment. She was healed, and Jesus said, who touched me? He felt virtue flow from him. When we touch Jesus, something happens to make us different. It happens on the inside, it happens on the outside, and Jesus restored her physically, and he restored her to her community whenever he may, had her speak about what had happened. 
And no sooner had that stopped, that this woman had finished her declaration about all that had happened, and news comes to Jairus, Jairus, while they, verse 49, while he was still talking, someone from the leader's house came up and told him, your daughter died. No need to bother the teacher. And I, I think of this in, in, in the context of what are the realities that we govern our life by? What are the realities that come to us and say, you know what, nothing changes. Our world is, you know, let's just read the newspaper every day. <laughs> Do you know that every obituary you read is of somebody who died? <laughs> Do you know every cemetery plot that has the name of birth and date of death that everybody in there has died? <laughs> you say, well, what does that have to do? You know, what we look for, we will find. And that is a truth. You know, and it's, it's like that some people have died, they just cease to fall down. <laughs> yeah, I like the one little plaque. All the, this is a workplace plaque. It says, all the people who have died and have not fallen down do not expect to, employ, to, to be here much longer. You know, it's like, it's like it's showing up. You follow the yellow brick road and you'll find, your, you'll find where you go to work. It is that life can be so predictable that I can tell you all the things that are going to go wrong with this day before it even begins. I can tell you everything that's going to go wrong with this day before it begins. I can tell you everything that's going to be in the newspaper before, before I read it. It's going to be about wars. It's going to be about um, typhoons and hurricanes and disasters. It's going to be about politicians and, and, and uh, how that the political arena uh, how that someone in our community has had an accident, how someone has failed, how that this has gone wrong, how that has gone wrong. I can tell you what the newspaper says. Right? So why, whenever we're reading it, why do we expect to see something different? It's, it's informing us of all of the disasters. It's informing us of, no, should, am I saying don't read the newspaper? No. Should we, say, should we not listen to the news? No. We need to be informed. But know that there's something else going on. Know that there's something else going on in our life besides the things that are wrong. What is it that we expect? If I can tell all of the bad things that are going to happen in the day, I want to know what are the good things that are going to happen today. If I ask you that question right now, what are the good things that's going to happen in your life today? Youth, yes, yeah. <laughs> you got youth tonight, T-S-Y. What else? Good thing. What's going to happen in your life today? Preacher's going to be done in 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> what good thing is going to happen in your life today? You get to live. God's going to protect me. From what? Don't know yet. Oh, but I know it's going to happen. What else? What good thing is going to happen to me today? Why is that so hard? If I said, 
what do you think bad is going to happen today? <laughs> I, I, I did this a number of years ago at the, at the hospital. I put it on a, I used to do elevator things at the hospital, you know, uplifting thoughts for the elevator. I was clever, you know. <laughs> Those were the days when I was clever. All right. Here's, here's a list of things that, you know, here we are approaching Thanksgiving, okay? All right, the mess. <laughs> the mess to clean up after a party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. The taxes I pay, it means because I'm employed, I have an income. The clothes that fit a little too snug means that I've had enough to eat. A lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. The spot I find at the far end of the parking lot on Black Friday and Thanksgiving Thursday, <laughs> now that we're doing it, okay. far end of the parking lot means what? I'm capable of walking. You read this at the page, you read this, huh? It's in the elevator at the hospital, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the complaining I hear about our government, government because it means what? We have the freedom of speech. The lady behind me in church, we don't have this problem. The lady behind me in church who sings off key because I can hear. The piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are near. The huge heating bill, because it means I'm warm. The alarm that goes off at the early morning hours, because it means I'm going to work and I'm alive. Weariness and aching muscles at the end of the day, because it means I've been productive. You see, there are so many things that as we look at these, and, and I, I look at you know, the economy and the jobs and the illnesses and the physical problems and the, the, the physical changes. And, you know, do these ever change? They've been around for a few thousand years. <laughs> and, and, yes, they're there. And, and, see, these are realities. And, J. Iris, your daughter has died. Don't need to bother the master. And when we look at our life, sometimes I think we get stuck in a, in, in a, we can look at our church, we can look at our neighbors, we can look at our family, we can look at anything, and we can find these negativities, we can find this perspective. And, and there's no need to bother the teacher anymore. There's no need for you to pray that things will be different, because it's already sealed. It's already done. Your daughter has died. Jesus overheard and said, don't be upset. <laughs> don't be upset with the realities that, that come to you in life. Because, you see, our faith, and we're not talking about dreaming, and we're not talking about denial. Denial says, oh, it doesn't exist. Faith says, I have a very real God, and have a very real problem. And Jesus says what? 
Trust me. Walk with me. See, we have a chance to look at this and look at it through the eyes of faith and hear Jesus say, walk with me. Or we can hear and be like the people in the house when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, and we can laugh at him. So here we are faced with words of encouragement that things can be different. God can make a difference in my life. Everybody say, God can make a difference in my life. God can make a difference in my life. Again, God can make a difference in my life. Walk with me, Jesus. Yeah. Walk with me, Jesus. And Jesus is telling Jairus, let me walk with you. Jesus is telling us, let me walk with you. Let me walk with you. So when Jesus is telling us, let me walk with you, he's saying, the mess that you have to clean up after the party means I've given you some friends. See? The, the house that needs clean, the laundry that needs done, means you have a family to share it with. Complaining about our government we have freedom of speech. And we have a chance to make a difference. It doesn't seem that way, but we do. And so we have part of this. And Jesus is saying, let me walk with you. Trust me. <laughs> when I think of that scripture, when Jesus is saying, let me walk with you, I think of one of, one of, my, most, one of my favorite scriptures. is when Jesus is, after the, cru- after the resurrection... There are two walking the road of Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus walks with these two individuals, and they don't even know he's there. They don't, they don't recognize he, this is Jesus. Okay? But he begins to explain to them the scriptures. He begins to explain to them the prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah and his death and his sacrifice. And he walks with them. And when they arrive at their house, they constrain Jesus. It's almost like they pull him into the house to, to just stay with them for that night. And Jesus, they don't know him, who he is, but whenever he breaks bread and prays, their eyes are opened. Either they see his hands or they just sense the spirit that is there in Christ and their eyes are opened. And their whole life changes. It's Jesus. And he disappears. And I think of our life and Jesus is walking with us. He's walking with us. He's walking with you. Jesus is walking with me. Say that. Jesus is walking with me. Again, Jesus is walking with me. What's he telling you? How bad the world is? Or how great his promises are? He says, trust me and everything will be all right. The realities of what this in, these individuals, are they all wrong? That his, his daughter has died? Are they all wrong? No. He, doesn't, he says to them, trust me. What are we trusting? We are trusting in 
Jesus, whose word created the universe. We are trusting in his word that created the universe. We're trusting in the God who breathed into us the breath of life and made us a living soul. We're trusting in him, and we're trusting in his word that he, that he brings into our hearts. And he goes into the house, and he wouldn't let anyone enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's parents. <coughs> what, do you think that, what do you think that is? What's the reason that he would only allow Peter, James, and John and the parents? Do you ever have bystanders and onlookers? What are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what are you going to do? In, she's already dead. What are you doing? Well, we're going to bring her back to life. <laughs> He's going to bring her back to life. <laughs> do you ever have critics? A critic is someone, they never build a monument to a critic. <laughs> a critic is always someone who's going to tell you what's wrong and how it should be made right. And these, and there were critics that were going, you know, Jesus wouldn't let him in. He said, now there's already people in the house, and, and that's the next verse. And everyone was crying and carrying on over here. So there were a number of people in the house, and they're, they're crying and they're upset about all that has happened with the death of this daughter. So they all know she's, she's not here. She's died. She's gone. And they're all crying over that. And Jesus said, don't cry. She didn't die. She's sleeping. What we have in this situation is not that she just fell asleep and couldn't be awaken, awoken. She was, she had died. But when Jesus speaks the word, life returns. The dead in Christ shall rise. When the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. There is coming a day when the trump of God shall sound. Anyone who has died, their body is going to come back to life. And we, if we are alive, when that happens, we're going to be changed, and we're all going to go to heaven. And this tells us of that same capability of the Word of God to transition, change us from death to life. If God can raise the dead, if Jesus Christ can raise the dead, can he help you in your problem, in your reality? So what are the things that are going to go wrong today? What are the things that are going to go right today? Let me walk with you. <laughs> you know, when we say, what are the things that are going to go right with you today? Do we laugh? Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. <laughs> you know, he's crazy. When pastor says, Jesus in the word tells us, things are going to go right with you. Things are going to go well with you. Things are going to happen for you. Things are going to happen for you. Good things are going to happen for you. That's a good time to say amen. Good things are going to happen for you. Why? Because God is with you. Well, who did he say he was going to abandon? <laughs> who is it that God is going to abandon? No one. So why, why would we think that we're in this alone? 
You're somebody privileged enough. To, you have done something bad enough, so bad that God will break his word and not show up. Not true. God will honor his word far above anything that we have ever, ever done. The, we can feel more, we want, it's easy to feel comfortable talking about how much God loves us than how much we love God. we can be a lot more comfortable talking about how much God loves us than how much we love God. Because his love for us never fails. He never turns his back. He never walks away. He never leaves us alone. When I feel alone, that is not God speaking to you. When I feel that things aren't going to work out, that's not God speaking to you. So they laughed at him, but <laughs> Jesus, reaching out and holding her hand, my dear child, get up. <laughs> my dear child, get up. Jesus touches our hand and says, David, get up. It isn't that I'm dead, but it's maybe that I'm depressed, <laughs> or I don't like the way things are going, or I'm expecting all the bad things to happen. Jesus says, David, get up. Jesus reaches out to each one of us and says your name and says, get up. Get out of your deadness. Come back to life, the life that I've put inside of you, the spirit that I've instilled in you, the spirit that I've breathed into you. And you see, the spirit that is inside of us, the spirit of God, makes sense to. You see, this isn't something that people who have no faith and have walked away from God, and, and, and they're not sitting here today. But we want to look at our life and recognize God's Spirit speaks to the Spirit inside of us, His Spirit inside of us. God inside of us quickens us to hear what God is saying to us. And we change. See, some people believe that um, they just cut that off, the Spirit inside of them. They say, oh, we don't have anything to do with that, that God, He's dead, He's whatever. God isn't dead, He's here. And God reaches out and touches your hand and says, David, get up. <laughs> There's something better for you. Don't look at the bad stuff. Are they truths? Are the, it, is the newspaper lying to us? No. The newspaper's not lying to us. You know, they might be opinionated and, you know, slanted as, you know, people will slant things no matter what news we listen to. It's almost always slanted in one direction or another. But are they lying? Not really. There's truth in it. God doesn't lie to us. He takes the truth of his word that is eternal and says to us, David, get up. <laughs> he takes the truth of his word, touches our life, and says, get up. Now, what do you think happened to the parents? Jairus. 
What do you think happened? Ah, <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 I'm sure glad I came to see you. <laughs> I'm sure glad I came to see you. And Jesus says, don't go tell anybody. And, you know, sometimes that's a hard thing. To, what do you mean don't go tell anybody? Everybody knows what just happened. People wanted to be around Jesus because of the miracles. The most important thing Jesus was giving them was the word that would change their hearts and their minds and their perspective. The most important thing Jesus can do for any one of us is to touch us with his word before he touches us with his miracles. Because when God intervenes and gives you a miracle today, what's the thing we want next week? I need another one. <laughs> what's the thing we need the week after that? I need another one. Have we changed? David, did you get up? Did you change? Did you recognize the truth of my word? That's what God wants to instill in us is his word. His word will change us. It is teaching us. The scriptures are teaching us about the God who loves us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. And no matter where we are at in our faith, he'll never abandon us. And he will never tell us, you don't have enough faith. If we have enough faith to ask, we have enough faith. Do you have enough faith to ask? If you have enough faith to ask, you have enough faith. Amen? Amen. Jesus says to us, David, get up. <laughs> you want to read the paper? Fine. Read it. And know that it's true. But also know, read the word. This is the truth. This is a greater truth. This is the truth that is going to last forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing is ever going to separate you from me. Get used to it. <laughs> Get used to it. Nothing can ever separate you from my presence. Nothing can ever remove you from my hands. Nothing can ever come between me and you. Amen? Let's stand. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been praying for this lady and again she's in God's hands but we pray for God's miracle uh, to take place, to transpire. You know, and this was another thing I was reading, and it says, He who has God in everything else has no more than he who has God only. <laughs> he who has God in everything else has no more than he who has God only. <laughs> we can't look at what other people, what all this stuff, he who has God and everything else and he who has God only have the same. Father, thank you for your touch upon our lives. Thank you that you speak our name, touch our life, give us, inspire our hearts, renew a right spirit, 
Change our hearts in a way that we can see you more clearly. Put your knowledge in our minds that we can think more clearly. Give us wisdom and understanding about life and death and problems. And God, you just are one with us. And you give us hope that never ends. A life that is filled with your presence. And Jesus, you never turn us away. No matter what realities come into our life, Walk with me, Jesus. Walk with me, Jesus. Walk with me through the valleys of the shadows. Walk with me through the plains of, of despair and through the mountaintops of greatness and joy. Help us, O oh God, and walk with us as friend with friend. Thank you, Jesus, for being our friend. Amen? Amen. God bless you. <laughs>